I'm here with Karen Lynch. We are prepping for the Wire event tethered to IIEX in Austin. She is the Senior Director Qualitative Insights at... Insights Now. Insights Now. There you go. Um, and, and I mean, this is it's a little, little known fact. I have participated with uh, Wire from the very early days when Kristen started it uh, while working with the Cypher. And I actually stopped going to the events because I felt, and this, is, this was my aha moment, mm-hmm. I felt so uncomfortable being the only man in the room. Oh, Right, gotcha. W- which yep. is a really interesting counterpoint to like last night. I went to dinner and there was three guys yep. and a girl. Yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, it's so interesting having the shoe on the other foot and just not having that perspective, right? Until you're in that environment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and what you just talked about is what it feels like to be a minority in the room, right? And so, right. in many industries, women deal with that all the time. They step into a room filled with men. So that's why we celebrate with women in research. Why we celebrate women in in these roles because it's it's you know a strive for equality and a strive for balance and uh the closer we get you know the better it is for all of us and your support at those sorts of events brings us closer so thank you for that it's a it's it's such a for me it was an interesting really uh, such an interesting headspace the framework of business i mean i was even recently i was reading a harvard business review article and they were talking about how temperatures set in offices are set to men's ideal temperature oh that's interesting. which is like three degrees uh cooler for what uh than women would prefer it to be yeah most likely right yeah and i thought gosh it's just like set up in that sort of like framework of and i'm not trying to like us versus them us being yeah, yeah, yeah. no man, for sure but um so i don't mean it that way i just think there's so much that's like built up in society that we just necess- we just take for granted as sort of normal normal and then to your point being the only quote-unquote minority in the in the room really does change that dynamic. So my my point in bringing all that up is just that Wire is an inclusive yeah. um, organization, and it's um, you know regardless of um, you know any sort of demographic profile, right? right? You can you can participate whether being a supporter or even joining different events that yeah. Yeah. they're putting on. Yeah, it's a sure. great opportunity to increase your overall exposure. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Important work. So, uh, tell me, perspective thinking. This yeah. is accessing perspective thinking and the impact on research product development. Yeah. What in the world is that? <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> so, you know, in market research, uh, we've been talking a lot about implicit, explicit testing over the years, and we talk a lot about system one versus system two, thinking that there's only two ways of uh, thinking and two ways of making decisions. And for those of you listening that don't necessarily know the difference there, it's, you know, it's as simple as something in system one might be a quick, uh, you know, automatic decision like, hey, I'm going to grab the gallon of milk that has the red cap because I know that whole milk you don't have to think much about it it's pretty automatic um and then there's system two which is like now i need to buy a car and you just don't grab one off the shelf right you sit and you think and you're deliberate about it and those two modes of thinking are at play with every consumer decisions that's made but what they don't account for is the imagination and so say you're you wear glasses so say you're you know in the frame shop and you're trying on different lenses and you're letting your imagination go to which one of these uh makes me look the way i want to look when i'm at my most professional which one of them portrays my creative side which one of these puts out there that i'm 
an open, friendly guy. So you're doing this imaginative thinking. That's perspective thinking. You're making a decision with something else at play than both system one and system two. So a lot so of- So is that kind of like a system three? It is system three. Oh, so that's what perspective thinking is. It's system three. And um, it's at play in a lot of different decisions that we make. Uh, one of the examples I use for people is, you know, imagine you were, you were driving somewhere, right? Say you're driving home from work and you know the route that you always take. It's, you know, pretty straightforward, but then, you know what, traffic jam in your mind, you start to wander navigationally. What other ways might I be able to get home from here because of this traffic jam? That's system three at play. Um, it might be, you know, oh gosh, they just, you know, put a new, a new, you know, grocery store in my town. I'm going to have to shop there. I don't know what that's like. Where will I park? What will my behavior be upon entering a brand new store? Will it be laid out the same way I'm used to? All of that kind of thinking, the, it's the stuff of our mind wandering. That's system three or perspective thinking. So you think about like, so going back to system one, which is really more habit, you know, ingrained mm -hmm. in how we just process instantaneously yeah. a decision. You know, system two is much more factual. Yeah. You know, you you break ever degrade a product into a series of features and right. then do your comparing and contrasting in that framework. Yeah. And then system three, which moves into a much more complex perspective, right? Which yeah. is this creative thinking yeah. element, the envisioning, the... Yep. Uh, as you said, the creative thinking aspects. Yeah. How do you how do you employ that from a research perspective? Because the first two are easy for me to to sure. do, right? The yeah. the third one that's an interesting challenge. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because it's all around hopes and fears and thoughts about what's happening in the future. And I think most of us in market research understand that if you were to ask a consumer about the future, they shut down. There's actually some uh, psychology involved or neuroscience, I should say, uh, involved with how part of your frontal lobe shuts down when you're asked about the future. Your brain can't go there. So a consumer can't project into the future and have it be credible for research purposes. But we have tools, right? So we have uh, at Insights Now, we use a tool um, that helps kind of tap into the spirit of imagination. It's, it's a play-based method, for instance. And we put people in this playful state of mind where they're actually able to get to some more imaginative thinking and bring those thoughts to life. So it's thoughts about their hopes and their fears and their aspirations. And then brand teams can kind of go to that space of hopes and fears and aspirations and, uh, you know, move forward to different stages of their process with them. That's really interesting. Yeah. Can you give me an example? Like how that, is there a set, is it set line of questioning? Is that how it is well, you frame the... So sure, yeah. What, what we do is we set up an environment conducive to play, first of all. And uh, we have a method called Playful Insights where we're using Lego bricks to mm -hmm. um, kind of put people into that playful state of mind. And we have a series of skills that we build as we proceed with Playful Insights where people are um, literally developing their skills, not just manual dexterity skills, because we're building with Lego bricks, but their storytelling skills and their ability to think in metaphor and their ability to talk about themselves in that imaginative space. So they, they get to a very safe place of sharing and vulnerability and they let us into those subconscious thoughts about what the future might hold for them all through this kind of method and the deliberate uh, process that we go through to bring them to there. Yeah, psychologists have used, been using play as a mechanism for dealing with trauma, yeah. right, for years. And yeah. it's interesting, you know, like sandbox kind of therapy sure um playful insights that's yeah. look play and then capital f u l l right, right? deliberately the, yeah. yeah of course is talk to me a little bit about the name 
Yeah, so the idea, again, going back to what you're saying about the, the benefits of, of play um, and why we wanted our research to be full of all of those benefits, the, the idea is that in, in a qualitative setting, which is what this particular method is, we want people to be... Um, at that kind of relaxed state of mind, at that place that they can go to when their walls come down, like children on a playground or in a sandbox, if you will. So what we want to do is capture the spirit of play and all of that great uh, release of endorphins that happens as a result that brings people to this place of this vulnerable sharing, as I was saying. So Playful Insights, which is all about getting insights, that's the business that we're in, of course, and the conference where we're at, of course. Uh, but it's it's... The full part of it is uh, just how loaded that it is. People often um, don't even know what's there, right? There's a there's a model in psychology called Johari's Window where some people aren't even aware of what's hidden below the surface. But with with a method like this, we can bring that to the surface, and they can reveal things that uh, you know they didn't even know they necessarily had to share. But it comes out, right? We've we've brought them to a, a state of mind through the power of play uh, to load us up with good stuff. Age is there like a cutoff for? <laughs> so sure, so sure. I just did this work actually, you know, with with adolescents. So we we can start as young as adolescents. If it's too young, they're it's like their imagination's it's normal. It's just normal. But they also, if they're too young, they just want they literally just want to play, and they right. don't want to be strategic about it, and deliberate about it, which is what we are doing. You know, right. it's it's hard to tell a child you're not just building from your imagination <laughs> alone. You're building what we tell you to build. So that so too young is is not really great. But adolescents is when it kicks in through teens it really works very well all the way up through uh you know kind of the senior citizen age where number one there's um an element of cynicism uh where they really do just like to talk and not necessarily talk on purpose but but most importantly their manual dexterity starts to deteriorate a little mm. bit there it's a little harder for them to assemble lego bricks for instance right i mean we have other play-based methods that we could use with other um you know, adults in that kind of demographic, if you will, but this particular one that that we've just referenced, Playful Insights, kind of cuts off at that. How'd that you age. guys come up with it? <laughs> so it's actually my my baby, if you will. Um, I several years ago, Le- the the Lego Group actually, you know, started and developed this the method of Lego Series Play. And a few years ago, it came on my radar. They made it open source in uh, 2009, and so it got on my radar in the early 2010s. And I became a facilitator of the Lego series play method, which is great for team building, strategic planning, uh, and kind of, you know, creative problem solving, breakthrough methods for internal purposes. And because I was in the field of qualitative research, I worked with another qualitative researcher, colleague of mine, and the two of us said there has to be a way to adapt this for research purposes, which is a little different because the consumers don't necessarily know what we're doing there or why we're doing it. They're not privy to all of our objectives, and we want to keep it that way so they don't kind of get in the way of the research process. So we had to adapt the method a little bit. But it was just a natural fit for us because the insights gleaned from metaphorical conversations are really genius. So anyway, so this colleague of mine, we we just got to work on how to make it happen, right? Forcing connections between one method in one field to this method in our field. I love the creativity yeah. associated with that. I'm sure yeah. you guys were playing with some bricks at that point in time Absolutely. too. That's what it's all about. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. And it makes everybody happy, right? There's a, a whole lot of fun and smiling energy that comes into a room when we have Lego bricks spread around. Do you have a favorite project? For that this particular, particular method? methodology? 
Well, it's hard not to talk about one we just came off of. Um, we just came off of a case study, actually, where we executed with um, Kraft Heinz some work exploring fun with adolescent children, in fact. And um, some of the things that we learned from these, you know, again, preteens about who they are and what they aspire to probably will stay with me for a long time. We got to some great depth of insights with a generation that typically doesn't really talk that much in a focus group setting. I know you can't share any specifics, well, but I'm right. dying to I can ask. No, anyways. well, I can tell you, um, they were they they talked about um, themselves at them. But this is not proprietary. We actually shared this out um, at a different event uh, in a case study. They talked about who they were when they were at their best, and they talked about being good, um, exhibiting good sportsmanship, and they talked about being kind and non-judgmental, and they talked about overcoming obstacles and barriers and. Um, had this great uh, kind of emotional intelligence that they showed to us, which I don't think we give younger generations a lot of credit for all the time. So it was really nice to see them building models that talked about who they were at their best because they're really fantastic human beings. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's good stuff. Really fun. Is there, what, what sort of, this is obviously a qualitative uh, structure. Yeah. Do you have a specific facility that you do this in or do you travel around uh, we travel around yeah, yeah normal i mean we can do it really the um as long as you're trained trained in the method you can do this at any traditional focus group facility if the client team wants to be behind the mirror um we have the supplies that we need so we bring those with us and we set up um and you know we've also done it on site at corporate offices when we're doing more of a co-creation where we have um, client teams, for instance, right in the mix with other adults and we're, we're building literally side by side and then comparing and contrasting what, you know, what, you know, team company would build versus team consumer would build. And we're talking about the differences and we're getting right to the, so what does all this mean right there in the session? So it's a, a, a kind of a great co-creation method, if you will, when we're on site in an organization as well. If somebody wants to get in contact with you, how would they do that? Oh, sure. Thank you. Um, well, the easiest way would be to shoot me an email. Uh, it's karen.lynch at insightsnow.com. So Karen, traditionally, K-A-R-E-N dot Lynch, traditionally, L-Y-N-C-H at insightsnow.com. You have to actually specify that, by the way. It's yeah, good. I know. Because some people are like, is that Karen with a C? <laughs> and I'm like, nope, it's the traditional way. Yeah. <laughs> I had traditionalist uh, parents. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> My guest today has been Karen Lynch, Senior Director, Qualitative Insights at Insights Now. Thank you so much for being on the Happy Market Research Podcast. Pleasure. I could talk to you all day long. <laughs> oh, I love that. And I am excited about getting, so it's actually, back up really quick. So, yeah. Uh, um, women in research, how long have you been uh, a participant? So just a few years now, probably about three years, Are I you think. you a mentor? I was a mentor last year. It was one of the best experiences that I had ever done in my career. Um, worked with a young woman who uh, was, you know, a minority woman, was an African-American woman. And she often felt that in this industry that is, you know, heavy with women, not a lot of African-American representation. And she wants to be able to have a voice in that space. Oh, I love so, that. Is she yeah, here at this she's event? fantastic. She's not at this event, Darn no, it. but um, she did some amazing things over the course of our year. So I highly recommend anybody who has that kind of time and, and mindset to be a mentor and also, um, you know, give back just a little bit to this industry that gives us so much. Karen, thanks for being on the show today. Sure thing. My pleasure. 